Nations fall, gods die, and Earth's mightiest heroes face their ultimate challenge. Today, on the inaugural new episode of Fake Nerd Book Club, Fake Nerd Podcast Book Club. What's up, guys? I'm Ron Leopolis. I'm joined with Sparks Witty, as always. Yes, I am also here. <laughs> I'm with Ben Magnet, as always. I am also here. And not the maker himself, we got Brandon T. McClure joining us, as always. I guess I'll also say, I am also here. You are 616, Brandon. You are not ultimate version. The Brandon. board. The board. Oh, chairman of the board. Yes. Uh, we are here, guys, because we're going to have an ultimate good time on today's Fake Nerd Book Club. We are talking about Jonathan Hickman's 2011, not magnum opus, because everything that dude writes is incredible. Uh, uh, Ultimates Comic Ultimates, one of my least favorite titles for a comic book, but a pretty good comic book nonetheless. It's a pretty bad title. It's, the Ultimates comics are really silly. Um, well, this was, uh, this was when the big relaunch stuff happened yep. and so everything went under ultimate comics then thing and i'm like yeah but the ultimates yeah the <laughs> ultimate is I, a dope name but it's also the name of your universe i was going to ask because when i was searching for this book yeah. i put in the ultimates found a bunch of stuff like by mark Millar, um al ewing you know yeah, great Brian writers Hitt. i'm like yeah. But well, not yeah, the, a lot. Yeah. yeah, but not the what i needed so then i was like i wonder i was like ultimate comics the ultimates first thing that popped up i'm like what the shit? Uh, I sent you a good picture. Officially, this volume is called Ultimate Comics, uh, colon, The Ultimates by Jonathan Hickman, Volume 1. Yeah, they really need to get all uh, as detailed as possible because there's a lot, of, a lot of Ultimate Comics. Uh, yeah. So Jonathan Hickman did write this book, but it's also drawn by Saad Ribic. We got colors by Dean White and letters by VC Clayton Cowles. And before I ask you what you guys think about this book, I want to know your history with the Ultimate Universe because I know how much... Mother effing 616 y'all consume because I've been on this podcast with you for seven years. But the Ultimate Universe is not something we talk about all the time, mostly because it's been dead. So I know Sparks is happy about this conversation. Before I get into <laughs> Mr. Ultimate Comics himself, I want to know about you two. Ben and Brandon, tell me about your knowledge or, or reading of the Ultimate Comics. Ben, why don't you go first? Because I'm pretty sure yours has, is the most limited. Yeah, um, almost non-existent, essentially. Cool. Uh, okay, my cool. knowledge of the Ultimate books so is simmered down to reading what we did well because i know sparks has picked the ultimate spider-man for some of the things like for some of the book clubs we have read some ultimate spider-man but it's true prior that years many eons ago i was in possession of three ultimate spider-man books that i don't remember how i got but i i don't remember exactly what issues they were i want to say like maybe 10 11 13 or 11 12 13 something like that it just all i remember was it involved the green goblet and yes. I saw the green, the big Hulkin monster green goblin in a cloak, and like the, he had his um, speech bubbles were all jagged and weird and creepy. And and you know, me being a sixth grader at the time, I was reading this, and uh, like when Peter Parker said, "Oh, don't give me that crap," I was like, "Ooh, scandalous!" Because you know, I'm a kid. I'm, I read kids comics, or I read kids comics, and yeah. seeing crap in a book was like, "Oh, wow!" Like I better not let my parents see. And that's it. Even so, like, oh, you were done. You weren't done. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say the only other thing I know about the Ultimate Universe is Miles Morales came from the Ultimate Universe, and then the Galactus that we know destroyed it in Cataclysm. And I've no, been wanting to find the hard cut. Galactus, no, Galactus did not destroy the Ultimate Universe. Secret Wars destroyed the Ultimate Universe. Galactus oh. was the ev event that immediately preceded it, though. Okay, because I wanted to um, read the Cataclysm with the Ultimates fighting like. 
big conk and galactus not the galactus swarm right. because there was, was the galactus they, there was, they fused there was the galactus swarm and then 616 galactus showed up anyway um i have a long history with the ultimate universe but i miss the middle part um of it um so i read ultimate x-men pretty religiously uh through barnes and noble would just not barnes and noble at the time it was borders um <laughs> I would always like I would I would get ultimate I would get ultimate X Men from there and I would read that all the time, and this is also related to Sparks is what Sparks is going to say because I would then uh, after we met and he got into the Ultimate Universe I would borrow his novels and go through them one by one so Ultimate Fantastic Four Ultimate Spider Man Ultimate X Men the Ultimates even Ultimate Iron Man I read all of those for a long time and then I just dropped off and then so I missed everything before um i missed everything before just not just before but for like a couple of years before ultimatum and then i missed everything after ultimatum up to the the so i like the galactus swarm i think is the last the last like ultimate event i read um and then i read the 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 stuff that immediately preceded secret wars so ultimate ff um, Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate X-Men. I think those were the only three at the time. Pretty sure. Yeah, I don't remember too well, but <laughs> I was I was working at the comic book store at the time, and I was just reading them off the rack. So I've, yeah. I love the Ultimate Universe. Honestly, it's it's at times very problematic, but really fun at the same time. Yeah, uh, Brandon's gap is because Brandon moved away and thus could not borrow the books mm-hmm. from me anymore yes. easily physically, and that's the only reason. That Brandon, had Brandon that when gap. you say the middle gap, do you mean this this section or mm-hmm. post this? Uh, pre this and post, because yeah. that would have been that would have been the end of two thousand eight. Yeah. So just a bit before Miles comes in. Yeah. And then for a while after. Yeah, because twenty eleven, like this this <laughs> this Ultimates, which is basically like the Avengers of the Ultimate uh the Ultimates mm-hmm. run. Um, uh, this is like the big flagstone relaunch book where this was like this was basically like the third attempt to make the, the, the ultimate universe as big as it was because it had the first the first really big the big get-go and then it kind of petered out and then they had a second relaunch which it didn't work as well and then they got hickman uh which really set the world on fire with this book um so yeah well, and every book every book like that was when the ultimate universe was like had its most attention on hey try this and like not everything connected with people but yeah. it was because immediately preceding this and it's relevant to our conversation is when peter parker dies yep. and miles morales starts to show up he's yeah. not he's not fully spider-man yet you get a reference to it in this comic that we're going to talk about where um spider-woman is looking at the picture of someone in their costume for ref for context ben that is miles miles is showing up oh, in a peter in a yeah, spider-man peter. costume yes. and peter is dead yeah yeah, yeah. so okay. it's okay her off yeah like who's, they, who's for that context for i was yeah. very confused yeah, this is this is exactly right after, and we'll get into like some other things that are connected to that. But like the Ultimate Universe, kind of all all kind of windled down around the death of Peter Parker, and yep. then bloomed into this out of it. Yeah, uh, and um, it was the yeah it it they took a shot, and uh, not everything landed for for everybody. Um, I think in particular the X Men stuff yeah. that they did at this time didn't work for everybody. I found I find the X Men stuff particularly weak, to be honest. Which is and really funny because in hindsight, like, there's a lot of kind of Krakoa-esque ideas that oh, happen sure. in the stretch of X-Men all the way up until the end. Yeah. Um, that that I, they're not executed very well, but I'm like, oh, I see how 
the radicalness of what we've talked about, yes. what they would do with Krakoa, the seeds of that idea are in the Ultimate X-Men. 100%. And honestly, like, again, Hickman being involved in so much stuff, like, y'all read this comic. The, the Hickman, it's a good, Hickman is so good at doing what he does, but man, that guy has like has like a thing that he does, and it's like it's like these these massive scopes and these like the world and the maker and all these verbs and adjectives, and it's very like destiny like. But he makes it work, and he yeah. makes it like not to be super reductive, but like he is like a Christopher Nolan of the comic book world. He's able to make these giant things and these and make them feel so impressive, but also feel like so like real and lived in. That's a good example. Um, and what I love about the Ultimate Comics is um, I've dabbled. I've never I've never. Uh, been a hardcore Ultimate guy, but I've dabbled since its beginning. Um, specifically during this run in 2011, that's when I I moved to California. The New 52 was about to start, like Marvel now. So all of this is when I was coming into comics. So this was like my big launch into the Ultimate. And again, it's with Hickman. So like it's yeah. it's what, what a way to start. And I think this first volume is is really great. And what's so fun about the Ultimate Comics is like it's allowed to have weight and have stakes, and like it feels real and it feels like cataclysmic because like. All the stuff really could be the end of these characters, and like that's what the Ultimate Universe is for. Uh, yeah, I'll just real quick uh, answer the initial question, which is, what is my history? Uh, I read it all, baby. I own it all, baby. Uh, warts and all, because yep. this was the first comic stuff that I really started collecting in trade. So I have the entire thing all the way up to the end yep. uh, in trade form uh, and hardcover, and uh, I love it. Some of my favorite things in comics is in the Ultimate Universe. I mean, some of the worst things I've read in comics yeah. is also in the Ultimate Universe. But you know, it, it, it's it's pretty wonderful in, in, taken as a whole. Uh, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a I think it's an experiment that worked really well, and I'm I'm so grateful it's there because frankly, like so much of modern comic culture doesn't exist the way it is now without the Ultimate Universe, partially. Because of how very clearly, even here, you see the influence that resonated into the MCU. Oh, good, even though the MCU had already oh, started yeah. at this point. 100%. You can see those same trappings of like what was so core about this modernizing of the Marvel Universe that was brought over. Um, and they felt bold. And we're going to get into how this book specifically, I think, is really representative of some of the better aspects of what the freedom of the Ultimate Universe allowed. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to... I wanna... I'm sorry, Sparks, if you have more, I'll let you go. Yeah, just a, just a real quick thing. Like, uh, I, I think that, like, it's just so, it's so nice that, like, I'm excited about the, this Ultimate stuff, like, coming back around that we're having a conversation about it. That's why, that's why I chose this book club, because Ultimate Invasion is now out. The Ultimate Comics, the Ultimate Universe is fully, fully back. The Maker is back in full form, and it is Hickman doing this a decade later. So, like, I was really jazzed to to revisit this stuff. And I think that's really cool, and I, and I, I, assume that and so i'm really glad that you picked this because i haven't read this since the first time same um and going back to it i was like man there really is some stuff like obviously like you will hear me say it time and time again like bendis's whole run on spider-man is fantastic there's nary there's rarely a bit that i don't think is good um and usually if it is it's a time it's a thing at the time or yes. something where bendis looks back and he says yeah that was a misstep but overall like that Spider-Man comic is so gosh dang strong. And it was the core. It's so interesting because it was very clearly the heart of the Ultimate Universe the whole way through. Yep. Everything moved around Spider-Man um, yeah. because the Spider-Man comic was the one that was consistently driving the universe. So many bigger things would happen in the other books because you have like X-Men doing things all over the world, the Ultimates, Fantastic Four, but Spider-Man was the heart of the universe. He always showed up, yeah. He always showed up in all the big stuff because like he is, he is the guy. 
one of the things that, that I think the Ultimate Universe uh, kind of gets a bad rap for is because in its early days, specifically, it was very sexually charged um, to sure. be kind of this um, this kind of like want to be edgy, edgy. want to be grown up. Want, yeah. Want to be edgy and grown up, but like you had things like Wanda and Pietro sleeping together, and Logan was lusting after Jean Grey, who was a teenager at the time. Yeah. Um, and then in Ultimates Volume One, when the Hulk goes on a rampage, he's yelling, "Hulk so horny!" Like that, I and that's that's really un- that that I, I understand this there, and like like just want to just want to also say that like I understand that was there, but like the the those elements of of the universe started to be shaved away over time. And you yeah. can even see even early, like where I was, when you get to uh, all the all the Galactus uh, Swarm saga, like you can start seeing them kind of go away from the more sexually it charged was, things. Just, just real quick, yeah. like in particular, the Ultimates in their introduction suffered, I think, the most from it because yeah. they were so even compared to a more modern and slightly more mature take on the Marvel characters, the ultimates felt like it had to be the most mature. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so they kind of pushed that envelope even further than the other titles did. Um, I am pretty sure though, I'd have to look at it again, that the, the writer who created the Wanda Pietro thing admitted that they were reading game of Thrones, game of Thrones at the time yeah. and, and were inspired by the Lannisters. Absolutely. And that's the main reason why they pushed that yeah. into the, into the comic. Cause they thought that would be a cool take ultimately not so great. Um, mm. but it's not, it's not the same as being in a fantasy universe. No. Uh, but, but, um, but for like, again, for every like kind of sour note, I think there's at least 10 wonderful things that come out of the ultimate universe. Yeah. That, yeah that at least created a sense of, if nothing else, the success of the Ultimate Comic Universe, and it was successful for quite a while, um, I think did initiate an idea like, things do need to change a little more Mm -hmm. in the main comics. Like, stagnation is bad. Yeah, but they also, this being, again, the combo we're talking about takes place in 2011. Before this, like, we had Ultimatum happen, which is like legitimately one of the worst Marvel comics to ever come out, and that is like Magneto like reverses the po- like the 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 polarity of the world, and he, he like floods New York and kills millions of people, and like uh, Blob like he cannibalizes, eats the Wasp, like the worst things happen, like just this awful comic, and like it destroyed not just like the world of the universe of the Ultimate Comics, but like the reputation, and like nobody wanted to read these comics, so they got so filthy, and like they become like Saw movies for no good reason other than this is the edgy universe. So like it took a huge ass relaunch with Jonathan Hickman and all these other people, but like let's go back to what this was supposed to be. It is an ul- it is an alternate universe of the characters we love with different takes that's similar to what you know. And what I love about this comic is there's so much of the six one six transformed in new ways, and that's what I love about the multiverse. You know, comics. Comics has been a multiverse thing since its inception. Like, like people are over it now in the movies and TV shows. That's because, like, they're not used to it. That's kind of like an everyday thing in comic book world. But, like, you know, they make it so important. It's a multiverse saga as opposed to an issue of a comic. It shouldn't, doesn't have to be super important. Mm-hmm. This is just an ultimate world where one of your superheroes went bad. And what happens when he's the smartest person in the world and he goes bad? Uh, Nick Fury can't handle it. And I love this. This feels like, man, we just watched Secret Invasion, right? Uh, talk about a Nick Fury who, like, who's in over his head. What do you do when Reed Richards is your enemy? That's insane. And I think, I think this comic uh, looks great. I think it sounds great. Uh, I think the colors are great. I think everything about it is, is like I said, it feels. I feel the weight of the world. Uh, the villains are incredibly interesting. The hyperbolic time chamber that is the city, yeah. one thousand years for five minutes of real time. 
give me a break, dude. That is like the coolest concept of the planet. Uh, I love it. I think it is such an ingenious idea. It's so good that the X-Men have used it for multiple times over multiple decades. Literally, the children of the vault is something Hickman did in the, his most recent X-Men run again. So it's like, good ideas, man. They just last, they're eternal. It's great. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I, I remember the first time I read the reveal of Reed is the maker mm -hmm. uh, and and being astonished, but also like brilliant. Just, just brilliant. Mm -hmm. This is so the choice, this is so the right call to make. This character has been on a path that this makes, like it didn't come out of nowhere. Like these kinds of things that, when things like this tend to happen in the main comics, there's a good chance that a lot of times it kind of comes out of nowhere or it's only had like 20 issues of lead in. But the read that becomes the maker in the ultimate universe, I can't stress to you enough, Ben, that read has been on this path since day freaking one. Yep. Like he, he was going to be a bad guy. Like it was, it, you might not have known that was going to be it, yeah. but this has been in the DNA of who he was, that he was pretty selfish and pretty shitty to a degree. Like it was just going to take one thing to push him in that direction. Turned out that one thing was Sue rejecting him for good. Yeah. I remember Ooh. reading fantastic four ultimate fantastic four, which for my money is a boring ass comic book back in the old days. Um, uh, but like reading that thinking, like reading this read riches all like this dude is, the worst like yes. there is no way this is a good person and then i'm supposed to think he is a good person and what's so great about this is if this were the the 616 they would just like oh let's just turn him into a good guy instead of instead of continue the character trajectory that you are building they didn't revert him they leaned into it every previous ultimate comic event ben before this one every previous ultimate comic story that is not their first one is them cleaning up a mess reed richards started every yep. single one and nick fury even mentions it he's like because like like we don't realize this is reed richards until like nearly the end of the comic which is awesome by the way because this is like this is a long form storytelling book yes. that, that hickman's doing but like nick fury is like you know what like we could have done something about this a long time ago and we didn't do anything because he was a hero he was such a shit bag but he was a hero and we just we didn't really look at him for who he really was and this is kind of my fault to his credit that's steve that, oh, Steve, sorry. who's saying that's, that's right. Fury, no, that's and right. he's saying because Steve. That's right. That's right. I do want to give this context. Then Steve is in this place right now because Steve blames himself for Peter dying. Yes, mm -hmm. um, and that's why he's out in the desert. And Captain America is himself this out thing. Of being Captain America is because he oh, yeah. holds himself personally responsible for Peter being dead. Oh no, I, I got that. Yeah, yeah, um, I understood no. that part because there was a line in I think like issue two that Captain America is just out in the desert because he blamed himself for Peter's death. Yeah. Uh, so because of that. Um, also him like now reflecting on everything they've done and him being like, yeah, we didn't, you know, Reed was screwing up and rather than like helping him or being a support system, we just gave him shit for causing a mess we had to clean up. Yeah. Every now, time. Uh, now in this book, there's a reference to Reed having died prior to this book, which is kind of why it's a big surprise to everyone because everyone thought he was dead. And he has this thing where it's like, you have to really mangle my body to kill me. Um, when was when was that? Was I don't remember just before this. No, it had been a while. Um, yeah. The Fantastic Four stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure the Fantastic Four stuff where Reed went, like, was gone, was even pre Ultimatum. Um, and like that's why the Fantastic Four weren't really a part of Ultimatum or around, if I'm remembering. Yeah, correctly. so the second, the 2009-2011 phase, there wasn't a Fantastic Four comic. So it was that initial run. So he's been gone yeah, for yeah. years. Yeah. So um I, I forget what happened. I think it's I I think it's the ultimate version of Thanos that they have an encounter with, and mm. Reed ultimately seems to die in that encounter. Um so he's just been off the table for a while, but it is ultimately that Reed 
kind of chooses not to come back. Um, yeah. Until he comes back this way. Cause he, um, cause he learns that his, his mutation is far more elaborate than the 616 read. Like he is much more of an eldritch horror. I remember specifically ultimate FF, um, I'll never forget this comic because the same comic where Galactopus makes his debut. Um, where we when we see Reed and he having you know he has been captured by the by the Fantastic Four and he's just there and he's just got limbs coming out of all over his body. He's just stretched out all over doing all these things at multi multitasking. And I remember watching that for, seeing that for the first time. I was like, holy shit, this dude is nuts. Uh, also, let it never be forgotten that the Marvel Zombies universe exists because of this Reed Richards. Yes, yes um, it does. Got it. In Ultimate Fallout, uh, Reed is revealed to have survived his defeat and is shown trapped in the negative zone. So he's been chilling in the negative zone, and then somehow he got out. Okay. Yep. Very cool. Ultimate uh, universe yeah. kind of screwed up. Yeah. Uh, so, y'all, um, just curious. Um, do you have a favorite character? from this book because we have you know we have thor this is a different thor which i really like we have a tony stark i like that this tony stark's a little more hard edge he still sells weapons and this is the book it took years for him to become the tony stark that we know from the 616 we're like oh i sold a nuclear bomb uh to my enemies in my own group and i didn't realize that and they were like well tony we didn't expect you to actually be there <laughs> you killed you why'd you do i just show up and try to save the world bro uh i think that's really great uh like like tony stark's morals are always something that i love now in 616 you know you know, 60 years after he's premiered, he's basically a good guy. But like, I like a Tony Stark with a little bit of a hard edge and in the ultimate universe, he, he very much still has that. Um, it's, it's Thor for me. Yeah. yeah, it's tougher not to be Thor for me yeah. because like, even outside of this comic, I still remember who all these characters are. And like, while Steve is being remorseful, like even Steve is morally compromised in the ultimate version. Like, yes. they're all kind of shitty people to some degree. And the only exception really is Thor. You think this A stands for France? Um, because it's Thor... Iconic. Thor starts the story uh, in the Ultimate Universe, and it's referenced here in this one, where he doesn't have his powers, and he seems to just be a mortal man, but he has a suit that's giving him the replication yep. of the powers of Thor. Yeah, so, yeah, the 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 Children of Tomorrow with the Maker, they they find out about Asgard, because they, they, they have Thor, and they're reading him, and they're like, yo, you have some power from beyond your own body, and they trace it to Idrisil on Asgard. And they go to Asgard and they destroy Asgard, removing the power from all the gods. And this happens in like the first like two issues of the book. Like the power of the children of tomorrow and the maker, it is so like it is like true, like awesome in like the the truest sense of the word. Like it is, they are so powerful. They are so beyond <laughs> mortal beings. Like they might as well be gods themselves. So Sparks is right. Like part of part of it is part of it is that Thor is. I still remember Thor from reading the Ultimates one and two uh, back in the old days. Um, and I remember specifically Ultimates 2, which I, be I believe is Ultimates 2, where um, it op the Thor opens the book when, and Fury's been trying to get a hold of him. And he walks into Fury's office and, and Fury's like, where the hell have you been? And Thor's like, oh, just fighting the world snake. And, <laughs> and Fury's like, I can't tell if you're lying. Because at that point, no one believed that he was actually the God of Thunder. They were oh, still yeah, playing yeah. with that idea that he was just a dude with powers. Uh, this is really like Thor and Thor is really good in this one I really like how he's doing I, I really like the destruction of Asgard sequence I think it's really fun I really like how Thor is really struggling with being I was going to say I don't think it's going to work but uh, he becomes no. Valhalla because he's the last yes. Asgardian you just, you just really held like up that. the funniest one of the funniest pages in the entire Ultimate Comic line yeah uh, uh, when, when, he, when there's the fart joke in the middle of a really emotional scene <laughs> Yes. Um, I have brave I, news. 
<laughs> I just parted. <laughs> it's it's the it's the last panel of Thor just like fallen and lost, <laughs> and all of these Viking god ghosts laughing at this fart joke. Uh, I I really and he gets he gets Stormbreaker back because he doesn't start yeah. this book with with Stormbreaker. He has a he has something that looks more like Mjolnir, mm-hmm. um, but he gets Stormbreaker. Um, or I think it's ultimate it's ultimate Mjolnir in 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 the ultimate universe. Um, but he but he gets it from from Tony. But that he had that hammer in the beginning. He lost it in between this, I assume. No, I don't. Yeah, it's, don't remember. it's the it's that's why Tony's like I'm a collector. Like he's been holding on. Oh, that's right. He literally says right here, yeah, like I'm a collector. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're right. Man, so I'm he had he basically had ultimate Mjolnir stolen taken from Thor. Yeah, uh, I cannot I cannot praise how Assad Rubik has only gotten better and better over the years. Like this is the same team that you know f- four years later we do Secret Wars, which I think is the best Marvel event ever made. <clears throat> um, Assad Rubik has such a such a beautiful painterly uh, a feel to his work that is honestly like he is like you immediately recognize his work specifically because of his faces. He has a lot of like big O faces. This is one of my favorite two pages in the whole book. It's uh, the Braddocks. Oh, real quick. I wrote this down. I love this. Excalibur. Uh, they're not, you know, the the multidimensional saviors of the universe in like in 616. They are the European super soldier program uh, uh, in, in the ultimate universe. And Jamie Braddock, who is like the the worst of the Braddocks, the most evil of the Braddocks is Captain Britain. So him just like being a big shit to everyone is really fun. Uh, like it's just a big role reversal. Uh, I love, I love all that stuff. Uh, I know. It, oh, go ahead, Ben. You've been wanting to say something for a bit. Uh, first of all, Thor's my MVP, and he's also my favorite. Um, I absolutely love him. But can I please read this bit from the end of issue two? Please go for it. The day the world tree died, and what was divine became ordinary. When, like rain, dead gods fell from the sky. It was the last day of myth. It was the last day of legend. It was the day the children of tomorrow killed all the gods and they were gone forever. That's good shit. That freaking got me. Now, I, I really like that you spotlight that, Ben, because like you can write that exact same paragraph in an event in the main Marvel continuity and you'll be like, yeah. Yeah, wait till that. But wait. the advantage of the ultimate universe is like, no, we mean it. They're gone. Uh, like yeah. Asgard will never be restored in the Ultimate Universe, and I think that's awesome. I no, love that. Like this is that's why that's why like I'm really happy with this one because I do think it is such a good example of like the weight of all this, the the weight of how many people die and how much of Europe is wiped out by yes. this city is like, oh, this isn't just going to be undone. They are going to feel this. The whole world will react to this. Uh, I just want to show you guys that Thor uh, hit someone with Mjolnir so hard that their legs explode. Uh, yeah, I just think that's great. Tech Thor, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were gonna, you were gonna bring up Rubik's O face, uh, which <laughs> oh is, yeah, yeah, Rasad Rubik. It's these, it's these wide eyes that you're gonna see on so many people yeah. throughout the book. Yeah, just like the every <laughs> every you know his Thor run with Jason Aaron is incredible. The the Eternals run with Kieran Gillen's great, but yeah, he his faces uh, are are sometimes very very funny. That is not just an O face. That's the oh shit. I yeah, really yeah. like Rasad Rubik's art. Um, I keep forgetting how much of his artwork i've read because i you know i just read all of thor and i i'm read this and i read secret wars and i'm like this every single time i, I think he, he blows me away 
Yeah. Um, I forgot that Falcon shows up in here. I love it. That him being a stealth operative is so dope. And then <laughs> Reed Richards knew he was there the entire time. He's like, dude, I don't care. What are you going to do? I want you to tell these people. No, he's like, I, I want you. Uh, it's it's so good. I love the exchange because he says like, oh, you think you you think that I'm just going to like buy into this, uh, that that uh, this is going to um, make me understand what a monster you've become. And he's like, you sound like them, Sam. Don't do that. Like, yeah. You're a scientist. You're not some soldier. You're not some brawler. Like you're coming here. You understand these things, which is a big change from the ultimate universe. I'm Sam a scientist here. And yeah. so he's like, look, I want you to just come and go. And I want you to see what this place is because you will understand inevitability which is also why i really like reed richards as a villain in this one because this has always again this has always been who he is he has always seen scientific progression as an undeniable and ultimate good regardless of cost that has always been who he is inside this world so to have the maker be that person who's like this is better for everybody you don't get that yet you will it's better for everybody that's what i love reed richards because in the 616 like these two are the same characters, but in the six one six, like he's a glass full type of guy, and and uh, the maker is a glass em empty type of guy. Like Reed Richards is like one universe away from becoming the world's worst villain, right? But like we're lucky we got six one six version, right? That's why the Council of Reeds exists. They're all awful. Our Reeds. The best. Well, but and like, but the maker is now it was has been for a while, not anymore because I know the Ultimate Universe is back. But like for a while was a prominent villain within six one six, which really yes, caused the problems. Absolutely. And like it's yeah. always it's always nice though because he is this he is like a good villain because he is a person who's so convinced he's right you can see how he's very clearly wrong but he is a person who believes 100 what he is doing is the right thing to do for everybody in a grand sense for everybody and yeah. he's not uh, uh trying to push his own personal bullshit yeah uh i got a one of my favorite again there's a lot of great two pan two page uh great scenes it's when thor uh puts modi in the tree and uh, he's talking to Loki about it. And Loki's like, I thought it was cruel when father did that to me, putting him in the tree to send him to an another universe, basically. But it was a gift, life. You understand what you've given him? The room, This room exists outside of the world. Regardless of what happens here today, he will live. Uh, and then this is like, this is like he does this with Wolverine and Nightcrawler and House of X, Powers of Pen too, which I love. But it's Thor and Loki talking. So do you have any regrets, Loki? Brother, I regret everything yeah. to the very end. And I'm like, oh, brothers! It's so good. And again, because it's the ultimate universe, like these characters can go out at any time, and like it feels, it feels impactful. It's just a, it's it's a magnificent. Feels like an event comic, but it's just an Avengers comic. Yeah, I think this is one of the. I first off, I really like Jonathan Hickman. Um, I'm I'm grateful that Ryan uh, keeps bringing Jonathan Hickman books. I've read a lot already, just on my own. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think I would have been as hard into Hickman if it wasn't for Ryan. He's written a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, so like, I really like the way he writes to these characters. Um, they're always really, there's a Shakespearean writing to him without operatic. necessarily being yeah, operatic. That's a really good yeah. way to put it. Like even, even, even people that normal people feel grander than life and bigger in scale. And um, I really like that real quickly though. I thought Hawkeye was Wonder Man for like a solid minute. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. He's got a different look there. Oh, yeah. uh, because I didn't, I wasn't caught up on the Black Widow lore. Clearly, that's not Natasha. Uh, this is Monica Chang. That's Black Widow, the second Black Widow, who is Nick Fury's ex-wife. And that's why Nick Fury and the Black Widow have a child at the end of this book. I'm like, that's not Natasha. Yeah, Natasha's dead. <laughs> she died. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. I, once again, I was confused. I'm like, why does Natasha have black hair? And yeah, then, of course, I got to the end of it. I was up. like, why is she sleeping with Fury? What is uh, going on here? Uh, I love the the page of all the spirits when they say you are Valhalla oh. Thor. It's oh, so yeah. good. So, so excellent. 
Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. Kind of yeah, I like the, <laughs> Kind of reminded me of the Ghost Army from Lord of the Rings. A little bit. 100%. Oh, yeah. uh, Thor, when he uh, tells Tony, like, I want you to speak of this day, saying, I, it wasn't in madness, it wasn't in grief. I went for vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when he disappears out, uh, and Tony wanting to go, and Fury just being like, Sure. Yeah. I, you you want to go? You go, but you won't be here for planning what to do. Yeah. You won't be here for how to respond because you're going to be in the city and you're going to die. Gonna dead, you're going to die. Like him. Yeah. Um, Nick Fury's I, so good. Like Nick Fury, I like. He's Nick, so good when he's got shit like this. Yes. This his whole his whole schema of like when they're going in and Iron Man's like Thor. More importantly than anything, you're back here because like you can warp us out if this is going south. And Fury's like, if it's going south, I don't give a shit. We're gonna die. We're gonna kill him. We're gonna kill him. And yeah. then like it's just so bad. And it's like Nick, Nick, pull the plug. I love hard ass <laughs> Nick Fury and like Ultimate Nick Fury is really cool. And then you know Nick Fury now in the modern age is he he's certainly a character who's cool, but he is not the Nick Fury of old. Uh, he definitely doesn't feel like Sam Jackson, Nick Fury. Um, but like reading this again, I'm like, man, like Nick Fury is so badass. I love him. Uh, I think all of Iron Man suits are great. Um, I, I, uh, who else we got? Um, yeah, all, all the characters really. Like, I, there's a little, little bit of Spider Woman. Um, I'm, I'm probably gonna continue to read this just because, like, you know, 30 issues isn't, isn't super hot, super hard. Um, but like, I really, I'm super invested in this version of the Ultimate Universe, and like. I know Hickman doesn't write the entire run of it, um, right. but like uh, I love this first volume. So if I can read, you know, ten more issues of this, I'll be I'll be totally happy. Um, I I do really like uh, you know this is the first time if for context in the Ultimate Universe where we see Nick Fury just like fully thrown on his back foot. I don't know what um, to do. Yeah, at the end of the first issue, like I have no idea. I don't know where, oh, where I, to go from here. Again, Hickman loves a good like data page or just like single white page, and it's like Nick Fury. I don't know what to do. The next page, the Republic is burning. Yeah. Just in a white page, and I'm like, yo, that that I feel it. I feel it. Uh, I really do like the discussion where he goes to the Oval Office and he's talking with them, and they're like, yeah, we, the president's going to want to know like how we're going to respond. And he's like, honestly, right now we've been given a moment to catch our breath and regroup. We need to do it. the 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 wrong move to do right now is to do something just so we look like we're doing. Yeah, something. I'm being honest with you. Like, I don't know how to respond. They have overwhelming force that we cannot comprehend. <laughs> like, this is this is hard for me to to be honest with you, man. And the the coldness of them. Um, uh, but hey, you know, uh, as while all this other stuff is happening, it does look like Detroit's going to make a comeback. Oh, why? Uh, because Deutschland got swallowed up by the city. So, yeah. you know, now That's our big. German friends are out of the car business. That's big Oppenheimer energy right there. Yeah. God. Um, Silver linings, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, it, it's been so fun to revisit this. Like, I'm really, I'm really excited to to visit Ultimate Invasion to see what the maker's up to and, with Jonathan Hickman rewriting him back. Um um, I also really like, because we're talking about Fury, the very yeah. end of where this book is, is that like, okay, now throw all the old rules out, throw out the game plans that we usually do, go nuts, what are our options? And well, our options is a team that involves Jean Grey, uh, uh, Firestar, the Guardian, and oh, these yeah. new oh. twins who yeah. are popping up. Yeah, the Zoran uh, twins. Who are running a a refuge for the mutants. Mutant oh yeah, all this, again, like, I don't think that most of the Ultimate X-Men stuff is super great, but like, the world building of, of new TN and forming with the Zorn twins and like... Well, the best thing, the best thing that happens in this universe is like, it goes hard on the promise of like, this world hates mutants. Yeah. Now, because of Ultimatum. Yeah. So, they've hunted them. But, but, this isn't just like, oh, the Sentinel program or anything, like, the world as a group 
now hates mutants. Mm -hmm. Um, like that, and it doesn't really change. It never really gets better before the ultimate universe is over. They don't really go back to thinking differently about. They hate them. They yeah. never really well, come back around. Real quickly, uh, Ben, for context, back in the beginning, uh, the the X Men were were considered heroes. Uh, and they were beloved for the most part by the public, and that was like the big change for for Ultimate X Men. Like six one six Ultimate six one six X Men and mutants hated <laughs> Ultimates. Sorry. Ultimate sixteen ten uh, mutants beloved because they look at them in the same vein as superheroes, like the Ultimates. Like and then that ch that changed uh, because of Ultimatum. Yep, 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 yeah. Um. Do you guys have any any final thoughts on this wonderful ultimate comic? Um, I do love the design of the the sentience that is at the middle oh, of the, the city. The city, I love sitting it, as this head over the maker's chair. Love it. Um, it's just there's cryptic. there's good reason why when House of X Powers then came out and Professor X would never take his helmet off. People are like, "What's going on, Hickman? You love an evil dude in a helmet? Are you doing this?" And he's like, "No, nah, it's just Charles being silly." I think <laughs> it's because of Hickman and definitely the maker. And I, because I know Charles Xavier is cool to a point. Um, yeah. but it's because of Hickman, especially now seeing the maker in full build in villain form, essentially, that every time I see a combo character where they're where everything is covered from like the nose up and it's just their mouth, I'm like, you a bad guy, you gotta be doing some bad, you no good, shit. you no I good. Remember, yeah, I remember no when good. we were. When there's a lot of speculation around Hoxpox when we saw uh, Xavier in that in that helmet, and everyone's kind of like, "Is it actually Moira?" Like I remember there was because he was kind of effeminate. People were like, "Is that actually yeah. Moira?" Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like talk about... that we see him with, and he's like, "Rise, my X Men." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we, there's all this like talk about who's this guy going to be? It's very maker energy. Like, what are we doing? And it's just it just turns out it's just to be Charles being Charles. Yep, mm -hmm. he just, I just like the helmet. He just likes uh, to pose that way because he's got legs that work now. Yeah, man, that's in <laughs> yeah. Phantom X's clone body, which a lot of people don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, there's one other thing I want, or two things I wanted to talk about really quick before Please. we're done that I was that I was that I made a mental note of. Um, what because of me not knowing much about the Ultimate comic books, I was confused quite a bit in certain sure. parts. Um, I wasn't confused to the point where like, oh, this book is terrible. It was. I could somewhat piece together what was going on, but I mean, with through Hickman's uh, writing and the way he, because like we said earlier, or um, Hickman is Shakespearean. He's operatic. He loves a spectacle and he likes things to mean things like that line about the gods falling. That was last day of myth. I'm like, dude, that's actually really freaking cool and really poetic. And then there's other stuff. I'm like, the frack are you saying my guy? Like they're talking uh, about all these other events. Um, oh God, there was one that I, thought i was going to talk about but i completely forgot but it was but it was just a bunch of other events that led to this i'm like what the heck is going on? like i had no idea what set reed richards on this path i i just knew that reed richards was a bad sure but i do but the other note i want to say is seeing his face and then what he later on when he takes the helmet off and you see his elongated head Oof. i'm like gross i needed to grow my brain i will you know i will agree with you ben because like I think this comic, um, while being a, you know, a sequel book to like, you know, 10 years of continuity or whatever, like, I think it is a good jumping on point. But I do agree that like, if you don't know Reed Richards is a villain, like he just shows up and he is a villain. And you just kind of have to roll with that. Um, so like, I will give that. True. So I'll say, I'll say that like, this was not meant to be 
necessarily this volume, the jump on point, rather the preceding event story, ultimate fallout. Oh, that, yeah. Which follows, it's, it's the fallout of Peter Parker's death. That mm -hmm. comic goes through spotlighting all our major characters and heroes where they are in the aftermath of that and teases up this story, teases up what the X-Men are doing, which at the same time this is happening is what those twin brother story is about. That is happening at the same time. And if you're reading that book, and then obviously we talked to you about the Peter Parker, Miles outfit thing, like that's all happening at the same time. So fallout is supposed to like launch you in like, Hey, Peter Parker just died. If you wanted to read that book, you read that book. And now here, here's where everyone's at. Here we go into the new, the new phase of the yeah. ultimate universe. So that is kind of like, mm -hmm. Just, just for more for audience than for you, Ben. Like yeah. that is the conjoined like launch point that this okay. is meant to be. Cool, but even though that now I now have context <laughs> thanks to you guys in doing the show, what I will say, the book was very enjoyable, and it was very. And I, when I say this, I say this in a good way, not in a bad way, because I did enjoy that book when I was reading it. This is giving me a lot of New Fifty Two Earth Two vibes. Where you have a yeah. bunch oh, of heroes. Yeah, 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 I see that exactly. Oh, yes, I'm not. Yay. And <laughs> because you have a lot of heroes, you have a lot of characters who like they're they're strong, they know what they're doing, and yet they are facing down this most impossible force. When we see how the children of tomorrow grow and how they get rid of their names and how they just become something like their status five or the fifth nurse or the fourth nurse. knife. Yeah. Yeah. Like knife one or something. Um, it's just like, okay, it's that's creepy. Once again, it's like, oh, this is probably later. It's like, okay, I see how Hickman did this for Hawkspox with the Nimrod stuff. Um mm. But it was, but seeing that and then seeing them fight, and yes, you get a, a quick, like, uh, oh shit moment with Thor. But then everything they launch, like when Nick has his fleet of helicarriers, they launch a nuke at them. They do all this stuff. And they're like, okay, cool, we got them. And then it's just like, not even scratched, not even touched. It is the most we are effed scenario ever. Oh my God, yeah. I love that and scene because he's like, launch a nuke. And then it doesn't work, and he's just like, "Fire everything!" It's like and everyone and everyone's work. like, "Nick, we gotta, we gotta go." Yeah. <laughs> to to pull another pop culture reference, it's the guy from the Iron Giant who grabs the radio and yells, "Launch the missile now!" More. at the giant because he More. thinks he no one can stop him. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I also love is when the city just stops, and the, uh, Reed Richards, the maker, is just like, "Don't touch me! I won't touch you." Just let me have this. Yeah. yeah, I know. And yeah, he's like, yeah, I know I killed millions of people, but you saw what I could do. So I'm offering a truce for now. I have not. I've not read any further than this, but I firmly believe that Reed Richards just left out the word yet when he said, if you don't, if you don't touch me, I won't touch you yet. But eventually I'm coming for you. That yeah. Is Brian. Big yeah. Brian. That mother. Yeah. That mother effort is just like. You know something. Well, is it you and Ben together? Yes. That's, I'll, yeah. I'll hint at I'll hint at something that is I do know comes later, which is that what I think is clear in this book, and I think is cool. The makers not telling the children what to do. Right? You get you mm -hmm. get that. Like it's this the the city has its own sentience and decision making, and Algorithm. the maker is respected. He can give advice, but they are not listening to him. He is he is welcome there as their maker, but he is not the person who is making the calls. They are operating on their own guidelines because even in his own eyes, 
they are perfect creations and he himself is imperfect by comparison. Yeah. He's all about he has, it. Yeah. He he has this it's been I love that it's been thousands and thousands of years for the maker and he's just like, Yeah, that's Thor. Yeah. I always I'll never forget Thor. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is also which is also me acknowledging that um, you know, like the maker and and the children's uh, desires will not always be aligned. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, so I want to I want to touch on Ben's analogy of Earth Two. Um, there was uh, for the New Fifty Two Earth Two was I don't remember who wrote it. I know Tom Taylor came on board eventually, but I don't remember who wrote it in the beginning. James Robertson, Robinson, maybe. That sounds right. Um, so just... one of the, I, I look at I've always thought Earth Two kind of had a similar trajectory as the, as the Ultimate Comics, where it was this mm-hmm. kind of a, it was this kind of like uh, idea to do things differently and really drastically reimagine these these uh, JSA characters and really really move. But then the 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 the, the it, there was Earth Two Society then. What was that stupid thing they did during Convergence? And then they had like another like. What what happened to Ultimates within decades happened to Earth Two in like five years. <laughs> I always yeah, thought that was yeah. interesting. Absolutely, yeah. Um, um, because that's no. Are you going to continue with your Earth Two analogy? No, I'm done with that one. Okay, uh, and just to piggyback off what Ryan was asking me about with Sue and Ben, Sue and Ben are together, and part of what happens at this exact same time, and I just want to touch on it because it's it's truly one of my favorite character beats about the maker that you should always keep in mind is that it's the last good thing he ever does. He is the maker. And what happens is you're seeing a story of Ben and Sue and stuff is happening. And all of a sudden Ben Grimm's rock stuff disappears and he becomes a normal person again. And it's because the maker finally figured out to fix him. And he said, I always promised I'd, I'd fix you. And they don't know why it happened. The maker's not there when it happens. Um, it's later that they find out that it was Reed. Uh, mm-hmm. And that Reed said, like, I, I finally figured it out after all the knowledge I gained and I fixed you mm-hmm. because I promised I always would. And he also has, like, a begrudgingly, like, before the end of the Ultimate Universe, a, like, take care of Sue kind of moment with him, which is, like, the last bit of good that's left in that person. Yeah. Um, which I always find really touching because, like, they allowed, again, it's the Ultimate Universe, so you're allowed to let Ben be human again with like this different power set that he gets and be with Sue. And it's all at like read, like I finally did it. I finally made it better for you. Um, that is kind of nice, but I'm also Evil. crazy. Yeah. Well, didn't, they, didn't Reed help Sue deliver her baby. Cause there's this whole thing where miles Morhamis was like th- threatening them. It's like any universe where Ben and Sue get together is a world that's going to be destroyed. And any universe where Reed and Sue get together that's, is. A, and that's, uh, the, that's the Galactics Galactus event right before. Um, the secret wars occur. Cataclysm. Yeah, and it, it, because I remember reading that in Ultimate FF, and Sue, uh, I think that was like the last thing Reed ever did in the Ultimate Universe ju- is help Sue deliver a child. It, it is. It wasn't his. Yeah. Uh, Reed. Reed is convinced at that moment that they are they are all essentially doomed, and he's like, "This is one last nice thing I can do for people I cared about." Doomed. Yeah. That There's is that is more or less the bit where he's like, you know. Uh, I, I think it's right around then, like you as a reader know, but like that that Ben finds out that it was Reed who fixed him. That's yeah. That it wasn't just random. One of the things I really like about Hickman, and kind of the last thing I'll say about this book is, um, and we've, we've touched on it a few times during this conversation, but just to kind of put a capper on it is that he likes to play with a lot of the same toys. And I think that it's interesting that he does it in a way where it never feels repetitive 
and uninteresting. Um, I always feel electrified when he gets to play with the tools that he is that he loves to play with. Um, and I don't feel that way about a lot of other a lot of other writers. I think it's two things in particular, which is like you can look at things like this um, and other works that Hickman does as rough drafts for things that he does later. But while they might be rough drafts or he thought of different ideas about how to pivot out of the thing he was doing at the time, he's always adhering to character first. And because the characters are different, that allows for it to like the mechanics and grand ideas can be pretty similar when you line them up next to each other. But the characters who are going through it are different. And he always puts character first. There's one character that we forgot to talk about and it's uh, Jarvis too. Mm. (laughs) William. And I think it's really funny because, um, William gets hired and he's like, Hey, my name is William. Don't call me Jarvis. Like I, uh, they, the, it's, the people told me you were looking for a new Jarvis. Well, that settles that, doesn't it? If I was looking for a William, I would have hired a William, wouldn't I? And I'm like, damn yeah. it. Tell yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and like, he kind of loves being his bodyguard. I want to yeah. also highlight like a page that that was one of my favorite things, which is when Thor finds the kids and the woman who's overlooking them in the children of tomorrow is like, uh, please, please don't touch them. Like they're, you know, Oh, you're, you're one of them. You're one of the humans. Air pollution. Um, and she's like, Hey, you really, you really need to get out of here. But uh, you know what? There are other biologicals like you. Maybe you can take them with you. Go, <laughs> like, yeah. go, go. Perhaps you will escape. <laughs> like, and she's just, uh, yeah. She just yes, loves yes. some babies. Uh, she's, yeah. Uh, and if the city directory has updated properly, they are captured human types. They are over in that direction. What? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, very exciting. Maybe you can take them with you while you leave. Get out of here. <laughs> And she's just um, like, I really don't care that you're here. Just please get out of here. <laughs> you're polluting mm-hmm. the baby here. Um. All right. Anything else? No, I uh, I really love that. Um, I'm glad you picked this. It was wonderful, honestly, to revisit an ultimate story that uh, I haven't engaged with in such a long yeah. time. And and like, this is one of the stories I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I, um, so I much. like I said, I'll probably continue at least up through the Hickman stuff. I'll see. I'll, I might give the next the next i forget who the next writer is for the rest of the arc um give that a shot but um, they start co-writing part way in and then it becomes just him that makes sense um because I, I am really interested in ultimate invasion which is currently coming out now i'll tell you i'll tell you i remember that nothing that happens in this line of the ultimate story ever gets as bad as some of the previous ultimates oh yeah oh yeah stuff, oh, so. yeah. oh yeah again ultimatum is is there forever i gotta tell you like um this is a wild time if you ever decide to revisit it like um the x-men run from here until the end of the universe is really fascinating because this becomes it becomes super underground it's all a lot of it is about kitty pride yes kind of finding her way back to the mutants and leading them um because like she that. herself feels lost after losing peter because in this universe they dated for a long time Uh, um so it's it's really really interesting um yeah i love it i remember i remember hickman was taken off of ultimates uh because they wanted to move him to 616 i don't remember what book exactly started writing afterwards but they 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 specifically wanted him to go to a a a more mainline book because they were liking what he was doing on ultimates uh the book hickman did after this book is the avengers oh there you go then which led which leads into secret wars which is a culmination of this book and the previous book and his previous book and like uh uh, and one last little quick fun thing i'm going to do with ben because i know he has the lack of familiarity with the ultimate comics ben would you like to anchor a guess at who spider woman is oh interesting he might not know this not no clue she is peter parker's clone yep of course she is. They did Clone Saga 
and she is a clone of Peter Parker. Is she, is Why she am called I? Uh, she's called Jess, but I don't think it's Drew. No, but she's Jess. She, that is the, the character mm-hmm. okay, on the second show. Why am I not, not surprised? I mean, honestly, I just saw a Spider-Woman, and I'm like, okay, cool, there's a Spider-Woman in the Ultimate Universe, and I just ran with it. Uh, a lot of people don't like the Clone Saga in the, the main Marvel continuity. I think when they did the Clone Saga in the Ultimate Universe, it's actually very compelling, and I'm I'm genuinely impressed with the direction they decided to take, because for a long time, Peter Parker is dead, mm-hmm. and you have this clone of Peter Parker who has memories of his family and friends who now is dealing with the fact that like all the those people have lost peter parker and they're still out in the world with peter parker's memories and things that are like this is weird i'm a lady this is weird and that's why they're so possessive of of like miles not being allowed to be spider-man they don't know it's Miles. they ultimately come around yeah yeah okay all right, well, it, uh, so we're going to be doing this every other week. So the next time you, you see us, will be, it will be my turn. Um, I know what it is, if you guys want me to say. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I am going to keep the Hickman train going with S.H.I.E.L.D. Architects of Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, by Jonathan Hickman and the right the uh, artist is Dustin Weaver. So Dustin Weaver is so good. This might as well just be Hickman month. I, I really... Um, I was really compelled to it when they were releasing the second volume, The Human Machine. Yep. Uh, Which came out like a decade later. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I, it uh, Brandon? so it's S.H.I.E.L.D. Architects of Forever by John. What happens when uh, Leonardo da Vinci helps find S.H.I.E.L.D. back in the 1500s or whatever? What? Yeah. I, re- yeah, I really yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, I really like Jonathan Hickman. I really like the concept of the story, and so I've been interested in checking it out. So I figured what better time than to keep the Hickman train going with S.H.I.E.L.D. All the board the train. Choo choo. And because we are in a changed format and we need to put out more comic content due to the strikes right now, also look for our big uh going through a series rotation. If you've been with us for the long haul, guess what? We're going back to the beginning. It's back to wasted space, my friends. So in the near future, you're gonna see us coming here and talking about the last two volumes so far of Wasted Space, volumes four and five, because Ryan and I got the big old screw you omnibus. That'll be <laughs> so big. If I'm you can you can probably we probably don't know for sure, but the goal is to put that up before my turn in the rotation, right? No. Um so the wasted spaces, so our non- a uh, rotational like we've been doing it our bi-weekly rotation this one now say um in theory what will happen is that brandon's episode will come out next and then we're going to aim for every three weeks so the week after brandon's you will get a release where we are talking about wasted space volume four that is our goal i'm not going to say we're going to be able to nail it all the time but that is the goal is to every three weeks rotate on our long form series and every two weeks rotate on our individual picks so if I may, if I may just say to Ben, because I'm going to be doing the same thing, uh, I recommend rereading the first three volumes of Wasted Space. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a before we idea. before we do volume four. Mm-hmm. That's why um, that's also like uh, I'm giving you some time. If we need a little more time, then we'll take a little more time. But we are coming back with Wasted Space volume four, my friends. That's the first episode of the Fickner Book Club. Um, also, look out for some Star Trek things. I'm going to I'm going to get that back get that back uh, rolling so star trek book club coming back too so hell yeah um a lot of book club a lot of basement arcade a lot of basement arcade pause menu because we are going to end conversation uh those are the shows that are mainly that are the main shows that are not impacted by the strike we are putting many of our shows on hiatus due to to be in solidarity with the strike so 
look, check out our website for what those shows are going to be. Um, until then, you can definitely find us on our website at FickerPodcast.com. You can check out our T Public and our Patreon if you'd like to support us financially, uh, where the Fickner Book Club logo is there. By the way, thank you to Mike Tola for the Fickner Book Club logo. That's a logo that he designed. Um, Very sweet and logo. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast. I'm BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for CBR.com, AtomicGeekton.com, and KaijuRamenMedia.com. Ben, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on the internet at BenMagnet27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Threads. And you can find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and playing Mary Frankenstein in Dean Dark. New episodes coming out on Wednesdays until a few weeks from now because our mid-season finale is coming up, and then we're going to be on a long hiatus. Hell yeah! Yeah, you can find me stoked to read more comics and play more video games at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-B-A-R-K-Z Witty. Support the strikes, hot labor summer. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci for our music. Ryan Eliopoulos. Hey, you can find me living and loving the Hickman train that we're on at DJ Tony Snark 616. All right, guys, find us on all the, on all the uh, thing on all the podcasts of choice. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys. Stay fake, nerds.